For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, a part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and we are doing Weekends with Swipe Up for the second week in a row. Thank you so much for all of the positive feedback on last week's show. We had a great time. Both Swipe and I really enjoyed ourselves, and we've got some more stuff planned for this week that should be really good. Looking forward to it for sure. Uh, I've got the main man himself with me, Swipe a Cam. Uh, Swipe, what's going on, dude? How are you on this Sunday? Man, you know, it's been a nice, cool, chill day. I've enjoyed my day. The Nuggets have not enjoyed theirs, and they have not enjoyed their week, it sounds like. But, you know, we got another great game of basketball. Came down to the Y. Uh, came up a little too little too close. Couldn't get enough done down the stretch. So definitely got a lot to talk about today, that's for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I I do think that in general, Denver is at a place right now where there's there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of discussions on how seriously to take some of these issues, how not seriously to take some of these issues based off of the timing of the season. But in general, I am excited to get into it all with you on this fine Sunday. We've got The Last of Us finale coming out today. We've got the Oscars and we've got so many awesome people that are here with us instead. And, and I do really appreciate everybody for tuning in. Swipe, but we're going we're gonna to recap the, the week here real quick. Uh, I When I looked over the, this last week, I was pretty surprised by what we saw, by everything that went into it. Had the Raptors game at the beginning of the week and Denver kind of squeaked out with a win there. They needed a little bit of help from Scott Foster. Not necessarily the best, uh, not, not, not really the best showing. Right. And then the Bulls at the Spurs versus the Nets at home that came down to the wire. Now, I, I think the efforts have improved over right. the course of those three games. But the fact is, is that Denver's one and three in their last week. And I think there's a lot to be concerned about, at least in the short term with this team. Right. By the way, uh, you know, just for giggles, right? You know, we like information here. The Denver Nuggets have the third worst net rating this week in the NBA in four games. And they have a minus 7.4 net rating, a 114.1 offensive rating, and a 121.5 defensive rating. They are the only teams with a worst net rating are the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans. So this has been by all stretches of the imagination in abysmal week. But the interesting thing is, is that I think you and I, but I've definitely talked about, there are two ways that this could have gone. The Nuggets could have 
won against Memphis and said, we're going to dominate these lesser teams. We want to stack up our win profile. We're going to see if we can push to 58 or 60 wins. Instead, they said, we literally have nothing to play for. These are all teams that we really, truly don't care about, and there's nothing for us to win. So why don't we just coast it on defense, just mail it in, Hopefully we can score, I'll score them down the stretch, and that's what you got. So it has been a, it's been an interesting week. And I think for a lot of Nuggets fans, for a lot of people, it's been very frustrating as well. So there's definitely a lot to get to. But, yeah, this has been the worst stretch of game they've had since December. Which of those games uh, over the course of these past four, uh, I, I guess we don't really have to count Toronto in this, but so which of the three games between Chicago, San Antonio, and, and now Brooklyn today – do you think is the most concerning and kind of the, the analog for why Nuggets fans should be concerned or, or are there no games that you're actually concerned with? I think that the worst loss could have been the one versus the Nets because you gave good effort and then you still got beat, but that's because some glaring issues with rotations and the bench. I imagine that we'll talk about, but I think in those other games, you just had bad process and you had bad process defensively, the rotations were terrible. You couldn't stay in front of anybody. Jokic wasn't protecting at the rim. There were several different things that happened to make those losses what they were. I do think that I'm not as concerned about it just because this is something that you could have expected given the lead. They had a seven-game lead going into the week. And then for them to take it take, – again, they didn't play against a single contender this week. They didn't play against a team that's on their same level. So for them – they looked like they literally took a, a significant step back mentally in order to get through this week, and you saw that. So if anything, these are old habits that are reappearing. And then the defensive issues that are most glaring, Jokic's foot feed, protecting the paint, not staying in front of shooters, all that other stuff, that stuff showed up. But we also have seen over the last three months, they've taken care of a lot of those issues. They just were really, really, really bad in their process this week. Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to think that the games that really stand out in, and we'll, we'll talk about this one, I think, more in depth just because it's the most recent. It, it literally finished up about two hours ago. Uh, I think that the most important factor with this last game was that there were parts of it where Denver was really trying and they actually locked in and had some great moments. And Brooklyn is fifth in the East. I, I don't want to discount them. They're, they're in that tier, right. that second tier of Eastern Conference contender, I think, where all of those other, like, those top teams are in a group by themselves, but the Nets are fine. Like they're good, but they've also had some, some pretty bad moments. And, and the fact that Denver couldn't really push through that, that you had some really bad performances off the bench. Jamal was horrible. Like, and obviously dealing with some knee soreness, apparently that held him out and probably like hindered him. He was O of seven today uh, from two point range. Like there, there's definitely some concerns there. I got, I got to imagine that, uh, even though this team tried to put its best foot forward and had a great game from Nikola Jokic, a, a great half from Michael Porter Jr., there's just a lot going into some of these things that I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think that one of the things about Jamal is we've watched Jamal since 2016. Jamal has these streaks of games where he's inconsistent. This is just who he is, you know, and he's done, he done this in the playoffs as well. Jamal, not a ton, not a ton, by the way. Like his playoffs yeah. have been pretty damn good. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a clear game versus the Clippers where he did this. He did this versus Utah at times, and he also had a couple games the year before where he did this versus San Antonio. But again, by and large, he has some really great performances. But Jamal has had peaks and valleys. His peaks are Michael Jordan-esque. And then his values are Game 7 versus the Portland Trailblazers or even Game 7 versus the Utah Jazz. So we know who Jamal is. I think what's happened this week is some of Jamal's lingering injuries because of overcompensation and also because of just his play style. You see when you have bad overall play, you need your second best player to be able to pick up at times in different ways. And he can't always do that consistently. That doesn't mean he can't. Consistency has been the issue. And then again, defensively, you know, they have just they have just not committed to, to doing some of the things that they need to do in order for them to be a good defensive team. So again, not concerned, but more so same old, same old, and you got exposed and you lost three games out of the four. Let's talk about the bench a little bit because I, I think that the bench is probably the group that I am most concerned with because I, I know that Jamal can go through peaks and valleys, but as long as he's healthy, I know where his mind is at and his heart is at on these things. And right. he will show up when it matters most uh, at, outside of Joe Ingles bumping his knee in game seven against Utah. Uh, I think that in general, the bench, especially the bench when Jamal is staggering, mm-hmm. has been – Denver's Achilles heel for much of this season. And I think that there are definitely ways to fix it. It's not like this can't work, but I actually, let me, let me clear out for a second. I want to talk about Michael Porter. Um, Michael Porter played 23 minutes today. Michael Porter is always on the low end of the minutes with Denver. And he's always had to fight for that. He has his weaknesses. There's no doubt about it. But on a game like today, where in the first half, he was legit making a difference, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end too. He's making hustle plays, closing out, recovering, using his foot speed, using his athleticism in ways that we haven't seen before. And then he has two turnovers in the third quarter. One of those on Jokic, by the way, definitely on Jokic. And and honestly, the other one where he passed it to Bruce went through Bruce's hands into the backcourt. And then he gets pulled for Reggie Jackson and doesn't come back into the game until 20 seconds left because Michael Malone screwed up his rotation again. Mm -hmm. I am very frustrated with the way that Michael Porter has been handled this year. It's like he's got the kitty gloves on. It's like Michael Malone is handling him with oven mitts. It's like there is a distinct problem with him and we just don't know about it. Un- unfortunately, like there hasn't been a problem with him. He's been fantastic. I don't understand what is going on with this dude. I don't understand what Michael Malone is doing with the bench rotation specifically. He has not tried Michael Porter with the bench. He has not gotten creative with it. He, and when you have games like today, where Michael Porter is as hot as the sun on offense, and then you ice him out for the entire second half, what are you doing? Like, why is this so difficult? I do not get it. <sighs> so you have your affinity with Jamal. You've been the long-time sure. Jamal guy. Yeah, I have been the long-time Michael Porter guy. So what we have watched Porter this year. Right, tell me if I'm lying. Every single step of the way, every time you've been asked to make an adjustment, has he not done it? He's done it. He, he's locked in offensively. 
He's taking a step back. His usage has dropped. He's taking more advantageous positioning on the court. He's not doing the same kind of shot profiles. Now, he's doing the difficult shots because that's poor. Defensively, he's been so much better across the entire spectrum of this season. But the issue is, is I think in watching this game, that when he put Christian Brown in and didn't reassert Michael Porter Jr., sometimes I still feel that Michael Malone sees him as the 1920 rookie version of Porter and that he expects him not to be able to compete defensively, consistently at the level he wants. Because I watched, I don't know about you, Bruce Brown not have the best game, not have the best defensive game, be lagging on rotations, be lagging on switches. What did he shoot? Three of ten today? Three of ten? Bruce has been, Bruce has been horrible, man. Like He has had a really horrible couple of months, and he gets a pass because he is a Malone guy, because he's all of the things that Michael Porter is not from an effort and looking like he's trying hard perspective. And he gets a pass, unfortunately, that I think has penciled him into a playoff rotation that I'm not sure he makes better when Jokic is off the floor. I don't know what he does that helps. And I think the thing is, mixed with the Porter situation, 23 minutes for your second best player tonight. And I might add, maybe your second best player since the All-Star break. Maybe. Michael Porter Jr. has done everything asked of him. And then you get in a situation today where because they had a collapse in the third, a 37-18 run from the Nets, Jokic also was, again, he was a part of it, but a lot of it had to do with the fact that, like, they switched up, they went to that man, they started fronting him, they couldn't get an entry pass. But that's the guards. That wasn't Porter. And guess what? On that same play you're talking about, Jokic's position on the outside to receive the ball in his right hand, he dips in. Porter misjudges it because he thinks he's going to stay where he is, and then he gives the ball up. And then, again, man, so Porter keeps getting the blame for collapses when Jamal Murray wasn't playing well at all. Bruce Brown wasn't playing well. But Porter doing anything and everything that's asked of him, including today. Because, you know what? I was counting the times he got switched out one-on-one. He had a foul against Mikael Bridges in the first quarter. Outside of that, he didn't really make a lot of mistakes defensively today. So I think that's the thing with this is I think Porter has proven more than enough times now that he can do the job when asked. Could he had that game, second game of the year, against Steph Curry, isolated on the perimeter, got a block, and so we started seeing that get more and more frequent in terms of those kind of performances. But but here we are. And again, I think to Michael's point, there's the Malone guys and not Malone guys. Yeah, man, I think I think that, again, if we're talking about the bench, um, to your point, I don't know the way that we run our bench. And again, Rod, you told me if I'm tripping. Could even the way we run our bench is Reggie Jackson or Thomas Bryant, in this situation, Jeff Green and Blocko. And it's a pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, but you can't get to the rim and you're not surrounded by shooters. So what happens if you do pick and roll and you can't get to the rim, but you don't have shooters on the court? You're going to dribble at the clock and you are going to take a bad floater. Every time. So my, my question with this is, why are we making our bench unit this mid when you could be slanted defensively or slanted towards scoring with Porter on the lineup? But instead, we just have this thing that's out there And then we don't go to Christian Brown until it's too late because we need defense. But because he's a rookie, 
he has to go through that process still. So, Ryan, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's just a mix of things that happen today. One of the one of the worst coach games, I think, of the season. Yeah, and one of the big reasons why Porter's minutes were so screwy was because Christian Brown was the guy who was in at the end. Christian had a great game. He should have been playing earlier than the fourth quarter. There's no doubt in my mind that when you have a team of wings and forwards that the Nets have, you want to be able to switch. You want to be able to match up with them. You want guys that are going to hustle, that are going to do the little things because the Nets guys were doing the little things. The Nuggets guys were not. And and I just, it's, it's very frustrating to see this same button be pushed over and over and over again, where Denver is trying to force feed the new guys in right now and Reggie and Thomas Bryant. And I don't know if that is a, I don't know if that is a higher up thing that has been established that that's, that's a requirement that they have to do, but Thomas Bryant didn't play today. They slid Jeff green over to the five played Vlacko next to him. Vlacko also obviously had a bad game and Jeff, I thought was fine, but not great. I do think in de- in general though, that, Christian Brown's got to play every night. There should be no reason why he doesn't. He is that good. He is that helpful. And in general, like you need guys like that to play in the playoffs to have the switchability and the size and the athleticism. Other guys are going to falter. Did you see him switch out on Spencer Dinwiddie in the fourth quarter today? I saw him block him in the clutch. So I'm saying, like, we saw him rip Jordan Poole. We've seen him take on multiple matchups. So Again, if Malone is anchored toward defense, as he says he is, well, why do we keep putting in lineups that aren't reflective of that identity? Because they – Reggie Jackson, right, 17 minutes. Reggie Jackson was a minus 20. 17 minutes. And, again, Vlaco just came back. So, again, I understand that. But a minus 12 in just six minutes today. And then Jeff Green, 19 minutes, a minus 15 in those minutes. You just can't have that. And Christian Brown only played nine minutes today, 12 minutes rather, but he was a plus nine. But that's because the energy, the effort, the rebounding, the cutting, the three-point shooting, he plays well with Jokic, all of that stuff is true. But you don't you don't then mitigate your second best player because you're wary that he's somehow not going to get a rotation right when there were multiple guys not getting rotations right through the entire night. I'm with you, man. It's brutal. It is it is a brutal thing. Uh, looks like we got a uh, Anila. Do you think you could throw that super chat up there? I think that's a that's a pretty interesting one. Hey, first super chat that I've seen I've seen on the channel. Thank thank you, my guy. Uh, we need to fire Malone. He will not help win championship in Denver. What coaches should Denver Nuggets get if Malone fails in the playoffs? Look, this is this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Denver. Like you've got to get through the playoffs. I I don't want to speculate on new coaches. I I would rather just think that the Nuggets are going to win the championship and then pivot if they don't. That's that's going to be the mentality that I take into this conversation. And I still do think that Malone is a is an important piece of the identity of this team. And I think that yeah. it's important to try to get through this with your guys. Uh, Malone is one of the guys uh, on this team. He's one of the core pieces of this culture. And so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and call for his firing because coaches are allowed to have bad games too, people. It's not like, it, it's not like we haven't seen Malone have a bad game before and then come out and coach a great playoff series, which he has done on multiple occasions. Yeah. And I think even to this, you know, I saw something else about this could be the year for him, but Malone, I guess I can't, I'm trying to think of a playoff series where he was just out coached 
by the other coach. Now, when he had all of his guys on the court, you know, he's come back from 3-1 twice against Quinn Snyder and Doc Rivers. Those are yeah. very good coaches. So we've seen him do it. I think the thing is we have an opportunity this season to see him in some bona fide great playoff matchups versus Monty Williams, Steve Kerr, Jason Kidd, Darvin Ham, and then if he makes it to the finals versus Bud in Missoula. So you're going to see plenty of opportunities to see if he can get it done in the playoffs. So I do think to Ryan's point that we have to see what he does then because that's going to tell the entire story of Michael Malone. But outside of that, he's been good for most of the year. But the thing that I do think that is common theme is that bench, for some reason, no matter the pieces, it's just for some reason can't be figured out yet. It's a requirement that he figures it out. It is on him to figure it out. It's on nobody else. He's the guy who controls the rotations. He's got to figure out a combination that works. I think it's going to involve staggering multiple starters. And if it does, then great. That's fine. Welcome to the modern NBA where multiple staggers are starters are allowed to stagger with the bench. Like that is something that will ultimately happen. Uh, but we're, we're going to see. We're going to see. Uh, you got anything else on this week before we hit a break? Uh, no, defense was abysmal, horrific week. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to wash this away and they can move on to Toronto uh, coming up to you, Doug. Hopefully so. Uh, Five-game road trip upcoming, folks. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Uh, really excited about Superbook as everybody else should be. They're giving you a great chance every single week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas and now with March Madness coming up. Selection Sunday just happened. There are plenty of opportunities for fans to go against the odds makers, go against the guys. They're, They're not guys across the pond or anything setting lines for American sports. They're just the best team of odds makers in the business that are actually behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere, and I'm sure they're coming up this week too. So make sure to download the Superbook Sports app now or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love on the podcast on the Weekends with Swipa episodes that we're doing this weekend. Uh, shout out to Swipa's audience on his channel. We're simulcasting to the Swipa Cam YouTube channel as, as, as well as the MHS YouTube channel. So make sure to give likes. Go subscribe to both channels. Uh, and go share this out. We'd love to have you in the chats going forward. Really appreciate it. All right, Swipe. You see the topic up there. Yep. We have some interesting points I think we should try to get across with this particular one. There are a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, that think the Nuggets are going to lose in the first round. They think that the Nuggets, whether it's to the Golden State Warriors or to the Lakers or to basically whoever is thrown in there, They think that those teams have a chance against the Nuggets. So what I am going to do is I'm going to go through this Western Conference standings with you, 
and we are going to have a good time discussing, man, can this team actually beat Denver? Or are these fans capping? Are these fans doing the crazy and, and just like trying to be trying to hype up their own teams, hype up their own players that they like? I am curious as to your thoughts on a variety of teams, but I think we should start at the bottom of the actually, you know what? We'll we'll do this. Would you rather start at the top or the bottom of your list in terms of the actual scary teams in the West? Mm, I think we should start at the top. Just go ahead and get it out okay. the way, you know. Um, and I would even say, Ryan, would you do the honor of starting? Because I want to hear how you position this. Could I have a little bit of an agenda to push with mine? <laughs> Perfect. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, I think that the team that the Nuggets should be most concerned with is the Phoenix Suns. It is not to say that they are unbeatable. It is not to say that Denver will lose in a series against them. But if I am ranking Western Conference playoff opponents by their upset potential over Denver, I'm going to pick the team with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on it. I think that that seems like a good idea. Hmm. I like that. I am going to go in a slightly different direction. And the team that would give the Nuggets the hardest time in the playoff, despite their road record, for me, is the Golden State Warriors. Because mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors have a scheme that would give them the most difficulty. Because they have a guy named Steph Curry, a guy named Jordan Poole, a guy named Clay Thompson, might have heard of him, a guy named Draymond, and an assortment of other players that presents some distinct matchup difficulties for the Nuggets, and especially when it comes to the scheme they play defensively. That's why I would have them number one, because of Steph, Kerr, and the scheme that they run. It's fair. It's a fair take. I think every Nuggets fan understands that. Like, And if you watch a game like this one, where Denver struggles against teams with uh, switchable wing depth, where they struggle to get the ball into Jokic, they struggle to navigate some of those aspects of uh, making things easy for themselves. Those other teams can make things easy for themselves when they're running some one, five pick and roll action, pick and pop action where they are then spacing out. I don't know if it's Draymond, then probably not as big of a deal from a shooting perspective, but all of the actions that those teams that the Warriors then run, that's a toughie. It's, it's a toughie for sure. I, I was trolling on, on Twitter as I, as I am, loathe to do uh, on a couple of occasions and then when somebody asked me previously who my who my top three teams were that I would be afraid of I didn't have the Warriors listed there because I think it's funny to then see those fans react and see see what happens Mm -hmm. but I do think that there is both a there's both a likelihood that Golden State would give Denver issues and there's also a very strong possibility that the Nuggets would just roll through them Mm -hmm. and and I'm not sure which one it is yeah yeah, so we'll see. Again, the Warriors are not the same team, it looks like. But I think the defending champions with the four championships and the resume to have, I think I would give them the benefit of a doubt. Yeah, probably so. Um, yeah. The Suns, as, as mentioned before, like you've got Kevin Durant, you've got Devin Booker. Chris Paul has given Denver issues in playoff series in the past. I don't think he'll give them as many issues going forward because he's a couple of years older than he was and mm-hmm. is obviously dealing with injuries, and, and that's still something that they've got to figure out. But I do think that those two teams with the perimeter shooting that they have in combination with the speed and the skill level on the perimeter, 
is just like, it's one of those things that a team that's facing Nikola Jokic has to have in order to actually beat a team like the Nuggets right. because the Nuggets yeah. are going to score. They're going to find waves, especially when Jokic is on the court. But if, if you can't keep pace with Denver, they'll run you out of the building. Unfortunately, Denver's had a lot of opportunities where, where they've faced teams that can keep pace with them. And right. it's going to be a struggle. So my number two team that will be on this list would be the oh. Phoenix Suns. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going to go crazy and then rank them like way lower. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I'll say the Suns is, and, and the, way, the reason I have them below the Warriors, the Suns are a tremendous team with a lot of talent. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, Josh Okoge, Torrey Craig. They got all these guys. They got Monty Williams. But the reason why I have them below the Warriors, they lack foot speed. They lack paint pressure. And their health is a real thing. And they have the worst defensive personnel, I think, between the Warriors and between the Suns. Because they do not have rim protection outside of DeAndre Ayton. And DeAndre Ayton is not an elite rim protector. So you're telling me if you go into a series and you have a lack of really, really critical foot speed and you got KCP and Bruce Brown who are built specifically to guard players like Devin and CP3, I actually think that would be a lot different of a matchup than I think a lot of people are anticipating. Because, again, to beat the Nuggets is about how can you get to the rim and how can you take advantage of a lot of these rotations a lot quicker than normal. And so I think the way the Nuggets have to make improvements in their overall like defensive unit, and again – they're not stopping this Nuggets team. They don't have the personnel. So if you're telling me you're getting into a scoring match with Jokic and Murray and Porter and Gordon, I think that actually would favor the Nuggets in a lot of different situations. Probably so. Uh, I I do have faith in Jamal in situations like that, where if it's Devin Booker that he's facing or Josh Okogie that he's facing, I, I do think that he'll be able to get free in those situations. Now, it's possible that they put KD on Jamal and then they put Aiton on Jokic and then just switch that. And then they try to um, have Jamal go at Aiton if, if it were the Suns and that'll come down to whether Jamal makes those shots or not. And I don't think that they should be relying on things like that, but in general, I think, I think there has been, especially as, as I'm reading the comments right now, there has been a lot of forgetting of Jamal Murray and what he's capable of and what he's done on a consistent basis in the playoffs. There's been a lot of, of, discussion that i'm not really a fan of but look it is what it is denver's going to figure their stuff out and i i think that against both of those teams they'll have tough tough matchups but i still think that they can beat the suns i still think that they can beat the warriors and and it honestly shouldn't be a surprise to anybody if they do because they are that good is your number two team the warriors yeah i think i think after after thinking about it it's probably golden state uh just because I, I do think that even though the Kings, for example, are a top offensive team, I think the Nuggets can actually match up with them a little bit better from an offensive standpoint or for like from a defensive standpoint. They've just got to put right. more size on the ball against De'Aaron Fox, try to avoid getting him into uh, easy pick and roll matchups, things like that. They'll, they'll seek that out to be clear, but I do think that a guy like MPJ will be better with his size to be able to close out on some of those pull-up two windows and things like that. Uh, I think I would put the Warriors two and the Kings three. I think I'd put the Kings three. I'm 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 lighting the beam, man. They are they are fantastic. I, I yeah. love watching what the Kings have done this year. I think that they deserve all the love that they get. 
And in general, they are much more likable than the Grizzlies or the Clippers or any of the other teams that we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, I got the Kings at three as well. They have a very potent offense, uh, the best in the NBA by the numbers. Um, I think somebody that would juice by that 176 game versus the uh, Clippers. Um, but De'Aaron Fox has been incredible all year. Sabonis has been incredible all year. They got great pieces around them. Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, and Harrison Barnes, and Davion Mitchell, and Trey Lyle. They got some guys. And so I think what's going to help them is that they have built so much confidence in the regular season. I think they're going to have a little swag to them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they beat one of these teams in the first round. Everybody's going to be like, wait, what? How? The Sacramento Kings aren't real. So I think that for sure it will be three after that. We're big fans of light the beam over here. That's a uh, that's pretty funny. I, I love it. I think that in general they're 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 gonna upset some teams. Uh, they're not gonna face Denver in the first round. I, I I assume that Denver's still getting the one seed, but I mean obviously you know, you never know based off of what the, this losing streak coming down to. But uh, I think that as long as the Kings stay out of the four five, then we'll see you in the conference finals, Kings. That'll be that'll be great. That'll yeah. be that'll be quite the story. Be the, right. the least it'll be the least viewed Western Conference final of all time between the Kings and the Nuggets. <laughs> uh, do you have you want to do four and five as well? Uh, yeah, I, I will do. I'll, I'll make number four. I'll make number four the Clippers and number five the Lakers. Uh, I do not fear the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, I got the Lakers at four and I got the Clippers at five. Mm, OK, so we're pretty close. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think the uh, the Lakers have a higher ceiling than the Clippers do. And I genuinely think that if the Nuggets face the Clippers, there is a genuine chance that they might be able to sweep the Clippers. Like a genuine chance. He's so dope. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I think that, that that team, they're just – it feels so broken right now with the way that they're playing. With I know that Kawhi has been fantastic, but he's one right. dude. And Paul George has been so inconsistent that – there's there's only so much. I mean, they, they they put a lot on Russ. They put a lot on their bench and, and things like that. But Kawhi and PG have to be Kawhi and PG if they are going to rise through these playoffs. And I, I think Kawhi has been that guy, at least mostly. I, I don't think PG has been great. Uh, but in general, like their, their team, I just I, – I'm not afraid of it. And I put the Lakers below them for obvious reasons. Like I, I'm not afraid of the Lakers either. I think that there's a strong chance that Denver beats the Lakers in five and has a party on the court in game five and, and get to see a lot of crying Lakers fans. And that would be hilarious. Yeah. I think the, you know, you're always worried about the LeBron AD duo. D'Angelo Russell played really well lately. They got Jared and Austin Reeves and Troy Brown Jr. And Rui, uh, they have a nice squad. Uh, but I think again, the time they have the gel plus LeBron's injury, AD's possible injury. You know, I, th- I still think they're better, though, than the Clippers in terms of a matchup for the Nuggets. Um, so we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see what happens. But either way, man, outside of these last four games, I'm very confident in how the Nuggets have played this year. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, it's, it's, uh, it is a shot in, like, it sort of feels very out of the blue where they're, they're starting to play like this because they had been playing so well for so long that you, you – mm-hmm. it, it's like – uh, I don't know. Like they are, they are very surprising in the way that 
this has kind of devolved into what I think was one of their worst stretches in October, November, December, where right before Denver went on the winning streak that they did, they lost three games in a row, one to the Hawks on the road, one to the, one to the uh, Pelicans on the road, and then the Mavericks at home in a very similar game, actually to this one where it was a high scoring game, Denver, like you, you saw some good signs in terms of their trying in terms of the, the way that they played, but they still couldn't get over the top for a variety of reasons. I, I do think that they're still the top team in the West. They are still the mm-hmm. team that everybody else is looking up to. And just because they're now having the same struggles that other teams have had for much of the season doesn't necessarily mean that they should be treated in that light just because it's happening in game right. 68. Like, yeah, ooh. and I think people have to keep in context too. You know, Matt Moore talked about this. I have talked about this. You talked about this. Dude, after that Memphis game, they're basically everything that they want is in front of them. And so for them, all they need to do is make it healthy. And they have performed like a team that has created a five-game lead, at the time a seven-game lead, over the rest of the West. And that's how they played. They played a lackadaisical time, not connected, no effort on defense at times. And, again, they got and beat three straight games. But at the end of the day, you're telling me that they can have elite stretches this season and then all of a sudden they're that bad where they're getting smoked in San Antonio? You know, I think just keep everything in context. It's frustrating right now. But, again, I would even say, you know, we'll talk about this another time. By the time the Bucks and the Sixers game come up, I think this is going to be a very different team by then. I actually think so, too. I think that's a great point. Um, all right, tell you what. Let's take a break. There's there's no other West teams to really talk about, right? No other West teams to really consider. I mean, we didn't really mention the Grizzlies. Um, Mavericks, yeah. Like Mavericks are whatever. Like the T Wolves, we we don't know what they're going to be without. Like they, we know what they are without Cat. Uh, we don't know what they are with Cat. I think is right. how I would describe it. I I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Like he's a great player, but they like. What, what, what is going to even happen to that team? Is he going to start? Mm-hmm. He might come off the bench. Like It wouldn't surprise me if he came off the bench at all. What happened with Anthony Edwards? Does he take another st- step back now after he's made an ascension over the last 40 games? Yeah. It's just that's the ups and downs of being a young dude. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, there's, there's nobody else that I really see worth talking about in the West. Uh, Memphis – until this jaw situation gets sorted out, then I'm not treating them like a contender. Like they just don't, they haven't earned that right. And it's too bad because they were good for a while. And then Shannon Sharp app, (laughs) (laughs) that cardigan and everything. Yeah. The famous cardigan, man. All right. Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to preview the next week in Nuggets Nation and and get everybody's thoughts on the upcoming road trip. We will be right back. Pickaxe with Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. If you're watching this live, make sure to go give this a like on either of the two channels, on the Swipe a Camp channel, on the Mile High Sports channel that is going up. Really appreciate the love. And this will go up on the audio side for me, so make sure to go rate, review, and subscribe to the audio side of this podcast. But now, Swipe, we are coming down to it. 
on this one. We're going to preview the week. And, and this one is interesting because it, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple what the, what the Denver Nuggets have coming up. They're going on the road. It's been a while since I've been on a real legit road trip because a lot of those road games were in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they have had a couple of road trips here or there, but nothing since the All-Star break really began. They've had like one or two road games, uh, one or two road spots. In this upcoming window, they have at Toronto on Tuesday, at Detroit on Thursday, and then they have a back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday at New York, at Brooklyn for the general um, subway series that, that takes place there. And those are both day games, actually. So Nuggets fans, if you if you didn't like waking up early on, on this particular one, just I, I hope you enjoy waking up for the 11 o'clock game that, that on, on Mountain Time. Uh, that will be on Saturday against the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. So I'm sure the Nuggets will be super pleased about playing a Saturday game after two nights. Or no, they they only they don't have two nights off. They just got one night off in in New York. But going to be an interesting one, man. Denver they've now kind of dug themselves into a little bit of a hole because of the way that they've played this last week. Usually, if you go out on a road trip like that, you've got some flexibility to be able to lose a game or two here or there. I don't think they have as much flexibility anymore just because they, they've now got to start winning some of these games. Mm, this is what I'll say. They should win these games. I'm looking at the schedule right now. I think 3-1 and one would be fair. I think 3-1, and one, given their talent, would be very fair. But do the Nuggets think they need to win these games? That's the actual question. Great question. <laughs> because they might not. <laughs> and so the Raptors, that's going to be a dogfight because they're going to want revenge for what happened. The Pistons, they don't have anything. But you know the Nuggets might not show up because that might be a game where they just say, hey, this is the Pistons. They should win that game. The Knicks is going to be a good game because the Knicks are playing very well, and they just beat the Boston Celtics. And they won – have they won eight straight, nine straight, or did they, did they lose after that? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I knew I, I accidentally they, pushed the wrong button. Uh, the Knicks, they, well, they, the they just lost to they just lost to the Clippers. By yeah, the way, yeah, Marcus Morris, vaunted defender. By the way, three of nineteen for Julius Randle. <laughs> That's so funny, man. So I think that Knicks game can be a real dogfight. I do. I think the Knicks game can be a dogfight. I can see a scenario where they win those first three games, and they might take off that last game versus the uh, versus the Nets. Um, and then they got a little bit of a break until that Wizards game. So I think three and one for this next week is very much on the table for what they're looking at. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I This team, they have not really traveled well. Uh, obviously 16 and 16 on the road so far this year. There have been times where they have shown up and and they've done pretty well. They've, they've won some good, impressive games. The Cleveland game comes to mind. The Clippers game where they won it without Jokic comes to mind. Uh, they won a game in Miami. That was a, a pretty good win, although I kind of think Miami's mid, so I'm not really super enthused about that one if, if I'm a Nuggets fan. But I, I got to imagine, man, that Denver, they're going to have some things to figure out. We've talked about mm-hmm. this on uh, the first segment where they, the bench has been kind of a disaster over the course of this season. And if, in general, if Denver is slogging through a lot of these games where they're 
asking Jokic and the starters to go plus 15, plus 20 every night just to win, that's not a great way for them to win games. Like I'd much rather them count on Jokic to be a plus eight to plus 10 and then for the bench to be able to hold water rather than what's going on right now with this group. So let me ask you this. Over the course of the next week, how much do you think the rotations and or the results for the bench will change? Well, they're playing against some not so great teams. So the Raptors, because they have Gary Trent and them coming off the bench and Chris Boucher, probably not going to be so great. Versus the Pistons, might look great. The Pistons. Uh, the Knicks, Emmanuel quickly going to give them some problems, like some real problems. So they can look a little shaky then. Uh, and then they're going to play against the Nets at some point. So I don't, I'm not super high on where the bench is at right now. So I think they might have like one good game over the course of these next three or four. But my thing is I just want them to not bottom out. Like it be a minus 20 and a minus 15 and a minus 12 like they were today. Like you need to at least just be within like – it just has to be like a decent range. So I think Christian Brown is going to get more PT this week because he's going to have to. I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to get more stacked with the bench as well this week. Those are the two adjustments I think are going to happen. <laughs> Man. If, man, it would be nice to if the adjustment could be to get Michael Porter Jr. some minutes. That would be pretty cool. Um, no, I think I think if I'm if I am guessing what will happen for this next game, yeah, I think that Jamal will take that game off. They will start Bruce Brown in his place, and they will stagger Michael Porter Jr. with the bench. Play Reggie, play Christian Brown, play Michael Porter, play Vlatko, and play Jeff Green. That would be my guess. You're you're going small. You're going at the with those five, and you try to match the the Raptors and their their forward sized ball. Like they're they're always switchy and very big, and but not like not like center big is is how I would describe them. And then. We'll see where it goes from there. I don't know how long or if any time Jamal will actually miss, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, hey, if he's struggling, if he, like, 5 of 19 in this game, 5 of 12, I think, from 3, if you need to get him some time, just get him some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, like it's, it's way more important for them to be healthy entering the playoffs than it is for them to win. I would rather them be a two-seed yeah. and and – enter the playoffs healthy than it would be for them to be a one seed and not be healthy. So we're going to see. I, I do think that they can do both. I think that they've got to actually focus up and then they've got to get some positive minutes from that bench. Maybe it means staggering multiple guys, which novel concept I know, but Denver's never done that before on a consistent basis. So I got to imagine that they will figure some stuff out, but it might take some time. Yeah, well, we remember when the Nuggets started rolling in December, Jamal Murray uh, and Porter missed that Memphis game, and they locked in. Because remember, they started Bruce and, and Christian, and it was Bruce, KTP, Christian, and AG, and they basically just became the 2004 Detroit Pistons. So I think that if you have to sit him, then sit him and let lean into defense because they need to reestablish their defensive identity. And right now they're playing all over the place, so maybe that's a good thing, get Maul some rest, but also be like, look, you're only going to win this game because you're going to play great defense. Because if you don't commit to playing defense, you're going to get blown out. So I think that actually might be a good strategy for them to get their group back. Do you have a prediction for their record in these four games? And actually, no, I'll extend it to the entire road trip. We've got the, got the 
Toronto game, Detroit, New York, Brooklyn, and Washington. Um, any pr- record predictions for that in, in, in particular? Are we talking about the, the real Nuggets or the last week's Nuggets? <laughs> what whatever you think is going to show up on on those game days, I, I have no right. idea. So that's I'll the, leave it in your court. The Denver Nuggets should be four and one yeah. because they're better than all of these teams, and they they have more commitment. They can play defense. They can play. They have it all. They should go four and one. This team may go three and two, but I would say four and one would be my expectation. But I think it could settle in at three and two, and I think that's slightly disappointing given the level of competition you're about to play against. I think they will go four and one. That's my, that's my official. I did say, I think three and one, I don't mean whether it's three and one or two and two this last week, I'm not sure, but I, I do think that four and one is what will happen. Hmm. They're going to lose one of those games between Toronto and New York. They'll get revenge against Brooklyn. They'll get revenge against Detroit. Because if you remember, they lost to Detroit. Uh, and in a, a really weird one where all of the starters were healthy in that one too. And it was just some random November game that was very odd. But in general, I do think that Denver, they know how important this is. Mm-hmm. And they know that after losing three games in a row, that something has to change. Some mentality has to change. Level of play has to change. I do think that they are going to respond to this reasonably well. Uh, but we'll see. Like literally anything is possible with this group. I, I don't know whether like Porter just said, "Hey, I, I how could I get a rhythm when I when I wasn't out there on the court in the fourth quarter?" Like that's that's not great. It's it's not a great. And I I agree with him to be clear, but I think there are signs that this team is feeling the strain of going zero uh, and three in their last three, and they don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, so that they should respond well. The problem is what they put all this stuff they did on tape. So teams are now thinking, oh, they're licking their chops. So I think you have to come out and you have to punch people in the mouth to set a defensive tone. So I think Porter, Gordon, Jokic, if Murray's not there, you have to set that tone on this road trip to say that from the start to the finish, we're going to knock everybody out and we're going to make a clean sweep of this if we can. We will see. I know everybody's feeling a little bit pessimistic right now, but – Denver just needs a couple wins. They just need a, a, a little bit of a relaxer. Uh, like Jokic put up 30-20-10 today. Like there, there's no doubt that they're, they're going to be okay because that dude is available and everybody else will fall into line here relatively soon. But they've just got some some detail things to, to figure out rather than like big picture stuff. Like Jokic was still a plus 14 in this last game. Like people, people have got to settle down. It's going to be okay. I promise it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see. But we'll be right back here with sad faces or happy faces next week. <laughs> we will be back here. Ain't no doubt about it. Uh, Non-Nuggets game of the week, I pick Suns at Warriors tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be one. I know March Madness is right around the corner for everybody, so make sure to uh, focus in on, on this Suns at Warriors game because both of those teams, even though KD won't be playing, I do think it's important for – Nuggets fans to understand what's going on with some of these top teams in the West and, and what to expect from that group. Uh, let's move to takes from the future. What, what was your take from the future last week, Swipa? Oh, I, I forgot. Just, oh, you just, forgot just it? Oh, that. man, I'll, I'll, I'll do mine. I'll do mine. <laughs> <laughs> there was 4-0. They were supposed to go 4-0. And they went 1-3. Yeah, it's uh, not not a good start on the old, on the old uh, segment here, but 
I do think that like it's going to be fine. Mine was that they would lose to Brooklyn. Uh, I think that they. I, I don't know if I said that they would lose to other teams or not, but I do know that like I said that they would lose to Brooklyn. I I feel so great about that, guys. It's just so great to be right. Like it's way way better to be right than happy. That's true. Um, no, I think it's important to hold us accountable on that. And now we've got an opportunity here to set a, another take from the future going forward and, and see if we could get it right this time around. Uh, do you want to start it? Should I? Yes, I will start. And this is not just for this week. I want to lock this in for everybody. No, there's not no, no backing out of this. No running away. Ryan, do you hear me? I hear you. I want to state this loud and clear. Nikola Jokic will win his third straight MVP this year. Despite all the nonsense, all the narrative stuff, there is not a single player having a better, more effective, more impactful season. So everybody riding this wave of three straight losses and B doing this, Giannis going 16-0, there's not been a more consistent, dominant player in the league. And I'm guaranteeing, not, not Chuck, swipe a promise, third straight MVP is on the way. With the first seed, by the way. Man, I uh, I wish I could feel that. <laughs> I feel I wish they could. I could feel that. I I honestly, if I were to pick it today, and I, I said this on the previous pod uh, yesterday, I said I'd probably pick Joel Embiid today. Um, I know that that is gonna be like everybody's gonna feel super pissed off, and I know I'm not gonna make any friends, but look. Jokic has the capability to put up crazy numbers every single night. And honestly, I do feel like this, this last week, and it's not just this last week, there are definitely some times where he will definitely kind of subvert expectations naturally based off of his effort level and, and like how, how much he's actually putting hands up on defense and things like that. But look, I, I think it's possible. There, there's no doubt about that. I just, I, I sense the momentum shifting, man. It's really bad. It is, it is really, really bad. And I, I think that he's become a villain for a lot of people. And that sucks because he is the furthest thing from what people should perceive as a villain because the dude is awesome. Um, my take from the future. And I should have, I, I should have thought of this beforehand. <laughs> I now, now see, okay, here's, here's one. I think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to score 40 points in a game this week. Woo-hoo. Woo! Career high. All Career right. high. He's at his previous was 39, and I think he's going to be pretty mad. I think that Michael Malone knows that he screwed up with this last rotation. I think he's going to try to give him as much of an opportunity to go make a difference as he possibly can. And I think if Jamal doesn't play – in a couple of games and there are going to be plenty of shot opportunities for Michael Porter. If he gets hot and the dude is going to be pissed. So mm. should be fun. I am, I'm looking forward to seeing whether I'm right on that one. I would love to see it, but you know what happens? Michael, Michael Porter has 20 points or 19 points in the first half. And then the second half, they stop, you know, he stopped getting the ball. So I think it's possible. Porter easily could do that. Easily could do that for sure. Especially against like the Knicks. R.J. Barrett? Oh, please. I would love to see that. In New York? That sounds like a Michael Porter Jr. game. Let's get it. I, I'm I'm so looking forward to that one. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, just get him and Joker, two-man game, in the garden. Remember when Joker had 40 in the garden uh, sure in do. his second season? Mm-hmm. 
I think MPJ could do it. And boy, would that make a lot of people. There, there would be a lot of people having to back down on some of the takes that they had on Michael Porter Jr. Because he's turning into like not, not quite a star, but he's really close. He is really close with what he's doing lately. And, and I am very excited to see where it continues to go. Yeah, you know, the question about Porter was always his health, but dude, he's a he's a juggernaut offensively, and he's not just a shooter. He's two games back to back, he dunked on somebody, Ryan. His athleticism is coming back. So he's talking trash, getting thrown out of games. That, that sounds like an emerging star to me. He had a dunk today. Like it was it was crazy. Just just watching him dunk on centers is just really cool because he looks bigger than them sometimes, which is very awesome. Right. Um, all right, man. Anything else to hit on before we get out of here? No, that's enough takes. They they need they need to wait till next week to get the next one. You already know, folks. That's Weekends with Spike and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Leave a like down below. Thank you so much for participating in the comments. It was firing off today. I know everybody's really excited and, and like riled up about this whole this whole losing streak. But look, Denver's gonna be fine. Swipe is dancing. He knows. He understands. It's gonna be great. He's already predicted Joker's gonna win MVP. It's gonna be fine. Really excited about it. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.